Coming to you from the tailgating capital of America, where the beer flows like water and the brats fly like birds. Bringing you all things brewers, all things Wisconsin, and all things sports. This is the Ghost of Tony Plush. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday morning. Welcome back to Cheese Curds and Beer Bellies. Folks, the ghost of Tony Plush is never wrong. I've never been wrong in my entire life. And I told you exactly one week ago to the day that the Milwaukee Bucks were broken. I guess it was almost two weeks ago the last time that we spoke. And right after that episode dropped, the Bucks did some good things. The Milwaukee Bucks beat five teams in a row. They won five games in a row. And my text messages were flooded. You were wrong about the Bucks. The Bucks are back. This team's going to win the NBA title. And here we are with the Milwaukee Bucks on a four-game losing streak. So tell me, before you text me, let shit play out. Because the ghost is never wrong. This team is just as broken as they were two weeks ago when we last spoke. And I'm, I'm going to try not to get angry. My mom, by the way, my mom's going to get a lot of love in this show. Uh, follow her on Twitter, by the way, at the real Mitch Dom. She brings up a great point. She said, I really like the show, but you sounded super angry in the last episode. I said, Mom, of course I'm angry. Of course I'm pissed off. We're never going to see the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship as long as Mike Budenholzer is the coach. Of course I'm angry. Of course I'm pissed off. We haven't seen a championship in this state in way too long. So apologies to my mother, but apologies to the nation. I've been on edge a little bit since the Packers blew it in the NFC title game. So we're going to try and keep things a little bit. Listen, I'm going to tell you how it is. The Bucks suck right now. The Badgers suck right now. We're going to dive into all of that, but I'm going to try and watch my tone. I'm going to try not to cuss. I'm going to try and stay controlled. And at the end, I'm going to hopefully try and give a bright side for the future. So bear with me here. If I get angry, Mom, please forgive me. Call me out, but please forgive me because this is really frustrating having a generational talent like Giannis and seeing this team continue to underperform. So first off, let me address everybody that texted me when the Bucs had that five-game winning streak. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, Portland, no C.J. McCollum, no defense to be played on that team. As long as Carmelo's on that team, there's literally zero defense played. Bucks hang 134 on. Okay, good deal. Then they play the Pacers. And the Pacers are not a very good – they're an okay team. We think they're better than they are because Malcolm Brogdon went to Indiana and that disappoints us. But they're not a good team. The Pacers are an average team at best. They're a 500 ball club. They beat them. Congrats, Milwaukee. Then they beat the shitty Cavs. And then they beat the shitty Cavs again. Cleveland is – since LeBron left Cleveland, that city may as well be wiped off the face of the earth. It's irrelevant. I know the Browns did some good things in the playoffs, but – Beating Cleveland in any sport doesn't do anything for me. Beating them back-to-back -back does equally nothing for me. It's like multiplying zero by zero. It's zero. It's nice to get two wins. It's nice to pad the record, but that doesn't tell me anything. Then they beat the Nuggets. That was a good win. And at that point in time, I was thinking about hopping on a show. Looked pretty good. They kind of shut down Jamal Murray. They kind of shut down the Nuggets. And I looked in the Nuggets season a little bit, looked at them a little bit deeper. The Nuggets are not the team that they were last year in the bubble. They're a 500 ball club. They're currently 14 and 13. Nothing special. So we go back to the Bucks, and they start to play some, I guess you could say, a little bit better competition. 
And sure enough, they start to crumble. The minute this team faces stiffer competition, they crumble. That's who they are right now. They're taking care of business against piss-poor teams. And they're losing to teams that they're going to see in the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns, they lose to them. Pretty good ball club. Utah Jazz, lose to them. Really good ball club. Best team in the league right now. Oklahoma City, lose to them. No excuse for that. Toronto, lose to them. Give up 124 points to Toronto. So back-to-back losses against sub-500 teams on this four-game losing streak. And I'd like to circle back to the four points that I made about the reasons the Bucs are broken. And if you look at the box scores for each of the past four games, I hit everything right on the head. And I hate to, talk, I hate to build myself up like this, but the first thing I talked about was the damn three-point defense. Three-point defense. League average is 36%. Average team in the league shoots 36% from three. Take a look at this losing streak. Game against Phoenix. The Suns shoot 49% from three. 49% from three. That's embarrassing. Game against Utah. The Jazz shoot 37% from three, just above league average. Game against Oklahoma City. The Thunder shoot 42% from three. Six whole points above league average. And the game against Toronto. Raptors shoot 38% from three. So in each of the four games, the Bucs are giving up a field goal percentage that is significantly higher than the league average. So point number one, three-point defense. If we don't fix it, we're not going to beat many good teams. And during this four-game stretch, we have not fixed it, and we've lost four games in a row. So point number one, point to the ghost of Tony Plush. Point number two, Brooke Lopez is shitty. Uh, let's look at some box scores here. Brooke Lopez and his Almighty ability to defend the paint and to score. He's a big post presence. Uh, in 29 minutes, he was minus 17 against Toronto, only had nine points. You look at the Thunder game. Brooke Lopez only played 20 minutes, and he scored two points and was minus 11. That's right, two points, not 22, two, two points. One of four from the field. Take a look at the Utah Jazz game. Brooke Lopez. One of six from three. He did have 23 points. And that's all we're going to talk about. Phoenix Suns. Brooke Lopez. Nine points. 31 minutes, nine points. Three total rebounds. This almighty paint protector, three rebounds. No excuse for that. Absolutely no excuse for that. He's getting outplayed by Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis just had 16 points last night against Toronto. Bobby Portis had 21 points against OKC. Bobby Portis is our five, and he's not very big. He's an undersized five, but he's our best player in the post. 15 against Utah, and this is all in limited minutes. And 15 against Phoenix. Bobby Portis has significantly outplayed Brooke Lopez. And that's cause for concern because Bobby Portis is the only good player on our bench. So point number two, Brooke Lopez is shitty. Point number two for the ghost. I'm 2-0. I can't be beat. Next point is the bench. Bench has been terrible. Torrey Craig, I see Torrey Craig in all these box scores. He's averaging eight minutes a game and like one rebound, one assist, zero points. It's like the same thing over and over and over. Planet Pat went off against Toronto, but other than that, Pat Connaughton's been shitty. He's been really shitty. DJ Augustin's been shitty. Aside from Bobby Portis, we have no bench. 
And Bobby Portis, in my eyes, is our five because Brooke Lopez is about as useful as tits on a bull. Tits on a bull, by the way, guys, I just learned that saying. It does you no good. You, you don't get any milk out of a bull because it's a male. Tits on a bull. I always thought that saying was as about as useful as tits on a boy. Pretty useless. But it's tits on a bull. It's an old farmhand saying I learned from Hill Denson. Another, another Hill Denson shout out. About as useful as tits on a bull. Bull's titties don't produce anything for the farmer. They're just hanging out, taking up dead weight. And that's what Brooke Lopez is doing. He's sucking oxygen. He's taking up space. And he's playing really terrible basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's useless. He is useless to this team. And because he's useless, Bobby Portis is in our start. In my eyes, one of our starting five, which makes our bench of Torrey Craig and DJ Augustine and Pat Connaughton even more helpless. So the bench is terrible. And I don't want to talk about Drew Holiday being out because there are teams across the league. If you're a good team, if you're a legitimate title contender, you can withstand injuries. You can withstand COVID. You can withstand a little COVID if you're a good team. A little COVID hits the box and we crumble like a stale Ritz cracker. This is not a championship team if the absence of one player is going to completely cripple us like this. Point number four was the motivation level of this team. I don't see a very motivated ball club right now. And I got called out a lot for this, but if you, to me, after the four game losing streak, all I needed to look at was the quote from Giannis, our fearless leader. And we love Giannis. We're not here to shame Giannis. But I listened to him after that Raptors loss. And he sounded very complacent with things. He said he gave the classic, oh, we're not panicking yet. Who could possibly be calling you? Shoot, this is the boss, man. I'm going to take this one. Okay, if you're wondering why we haven't had a show in a week and a half, here's the reason why. This is Walmart in Bumblefuck, Texas. The state of Texas doesn't know how to handle a little snow. And apparently, they don't know how to answer the damn phone. It's been ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. And I've called them five times, and it just keeps ringing. So if you're wondering why we haven't had a show in a week and a half, it's because I work in college baseball. And we're set to fly to Nacogdoches, Texas. I probably botched that pronunciation. But they got like three inches of snow, and the whole state is in a complete lockdown. Like they don't know how to handle it. They don't own shovels. Um, just found out that the water boiled there. The, or I don't know what it's called. There's a water boil there, which it's an ironic name because I think that's what happens when the water pipes freeze, and they're worried that the water is now contaminated. So basically, we're flying to Texas, Bumblefuck, Texas, and there's no water there. So we're trying to call Walmart. That was Walmart in Nacogdoches, Texas, that I was trying to get a hold of. Uh, never answered the phone. We're trying to find out if they have bottled water or if we have to stuff it into our bags on the plane. I don't know. The bottom line is there's a good chance that I that I die uh, from dehydration over the next four days trying to play a college baseball series in the state of Texas because they can't handle three inches of snow. And I understand. You know, listen, it's not necessarily something to totally joke about, but how are they not prepared for this stuff, man? I, I hear, you know, it gets to negative 20 here and our pipes never burst. We never get a water boil. I mean, what, what the hell's up with that? Is it, 
I think the moral of the story is up here in the north, we just lay better pipe than they do in the south. I think we're just better at laying pipe, better insulation. Uh, and that's what I'm going to roll with. But yeah, there's like poisoned water in Texas. So if you don't hear from me ever again, the poisoned water in Texas got the best of me because Walmart never answered their damn phone. And uh, we never got bottled water. And, you know, TSA said you can't take water on the plane. Uh, and then I died. So if you never hear from me again, that's the reason I pray to God that the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers win a national championship before the rest of you die. But my death is imminent. That's the phone call that I had to take from the boss man. He basically called me and said, listen, we have no water. And I said, okay, let me make a couple calls. And uh, that's where things stand. Also, I got a text from this girl who's I, I was trying to take to dinner and then never heard from her for three days. And she just texted me and said, sorry, my man didn't know she had a man. My man found my phone and threw it and ran it over with his car. And I said, oh, great. So he's going to kill me. And she said, I don't think he has your name. Uh, so if I, there's a good chance this is the last time you ever hear from me. It's either going to be the poisoned water in Texas or it's going to be this girl's boyfriend who I didn't know had a boyfriend. I don't believe in breaking up homes. Uh, but I was just trying to get a nice little dinner date in, and I'm getting attacked basically from all angles. I can't trust the water. I can't trust the women. And I sure as hell can't trust Wisconsin sports. So that's where things stand. That's the reason we've been on pause for about a week and a half. But I'm excited to get this episode to you. Where was I? Boss man keeps texting me. Let's go online and see. Yikes. Okay, well, more important things are cheese curds and beer bellies. This is the most important priority in my life. Uh, I was talking about the motivation level of the Bucks. I don't know where I left off, but b- bottom line is after losing to the Toronto Raptors, I was really disappointed in the comments that I heard out of Giannis uh, and Coach Bud and the Bucks in general. They seem very complacent. They seem to think, oh, nothing's wrong. We're fine. I hate that saying. It's not time to panic yet. Shit, you just lost four games in a row. If you're a true championship contender, it is absolutely time to panic. And as I'm recording this episode, the Bucks are getting 20 pieced by the Toronto Raptors again. It's 58-38. 38 points in the first half. It's 43 seconds from halftime, and the Bucks are down 20. So we are looking our fifth straight loss in the face. And yet our fearless leader, our back-to-back MVP, and our head coach are saying, oh, it's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to panic about. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Everything is great. And if they're going to continue to have that mentality, we're going to mess around and lose like 17 in a row and maybe miss the playoffs. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. This team, listen, we're looking at like a five seed at best, at best. I mean, I, I, I mean that. And, it, and you can talk about all the guys that came back from last year. We've got Giannis. We've got Middleton. We added Drew Holiday. You can talk about whatever you'd like. But if we're going to have a complacent mentality, we're losing four in a row and now five in a row is just uh, nothing to be worried about, then we're fucked. We're, 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 in, deep, we're in deep trouble. And I, I would like to see our leader, our leaders, just show a little bit more desperation and a little bit more motivation than that. So Bucks are about to lose their fifth in a row. Uh, and the four reasons I outlined in the last episode are the reasons we're about to lose our fifth in the row. We don't, we don't guard the three-point line. Brooke Lopez is garbage. Our bench is non-existent. And we're just quite frankly not too motivated to turn the ship around. We're just not very motivated. That's 
that's the reality and I'm not getting angry. Mom, listen, mom, I'm not raising my voice. Uh, just telling the people how it is. This team is going nowhere if we don't address any of those four issues. And honestly, the biggest one is the, the complacency level. I think they think that they can just turn it on at any point in time. And we know in sports that's not the case. So I'm disappointed. I'm sad. Mom, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Those are the worst words you could ever hear from your parents. And now I'm turning that saying back around on the books. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm really not. I'm just really disappointed. And I'm going to be really, really disappointed when we get the seventh seed and get bounced by Brooklyn or something in the first round. Uh, okay, uh, let's go to the Badger basketball team. Uh, I said the ghost is never wrong. And it looks like I'm wrong, at least for the time being on this one. Because the Badgers, I proclaim they will win the national championship. And while I look like a fool right now, as they just lost to Iowa by 17, they're down 17 right now. It's 71-54. They're going to fall out of the top 25. They uh, haven't beaten anyone good in a, in a hot minute. Let's take a look here. Uh, so they beat, they lost to Penn State. They beat Penn State. They lost to Illinois. They beat Nebraska. They lost to Michigan. They're going to lose again to Iowa and fall out of the top 25. So, yeah, this team isn't as – they don't look good, but I'm never wrong. So they're going to turn it around, kids. They're going to turn it around. I want to talk a little bit about the Michigan game because the, the Badgers blew a 17-point lead in that game. They got outscored 40-20 to 20 in the second half. And there's a number of reasons that that happened, but the biggest one is that Micah Potter and Nate Reavers – are the softest big men to ever play the sport of basketball. Those two guys, our only true forwards on the team, combined for a whopping zero rebounds against Michigan. Mom, I'm doing such a great job keeping my voice down. We had zero rebounds between Nate Reavers, 6'11", and Micah Potter, 6'9", and big body. The future NBA guy, Micah Potter. Zero rebounds against Michigan. We got killed on the glass. And we got outscored by 20 in the second half, and we blew a 17-point lead. Uh, that is not championship basketball. Brad Davison is the worst player I've ever seen. He was one of six from the field. He's losing more and more minutes to Trevor Anderson. Uh, and Trevor Anderson is by no means any good either. So this is, this is cause for concern. But hear me out, kids. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's Jonathan Davis. He's getting more and more minutes against Michigan. He had 23 minutes, 11 points. Really efficient player, 5 of 8 from the field. And as he starts to take more minutes from Brad Davison, I think things are going to look up for us. Now, it's not going well tonight. We're losing to Iowa. And for whatever reason, Greg Gard's strategy against Iowa was to just let Luke Garza tee off from the three-point line. And Micah Potter seems generally fairly disinterested in guarding Luke Garza. Uh, that's kind of funny. And, you, you know, you just see this over and over with Micah Potter. The guy is an arrogant douchebag from time to time. He doesn't take coaching well. He doesn't, you know, him and guard are getting into it every other game. And, you know, he basically decided, I, I would imagine Greg Gard's scouting report did not instruct Micah Potter to let Luca Garza, Luke Garza, tee off from the three-point line. Yet he's four of six from three. He's got 30 points, and there's still three minutes to play in this game. He's got 30 points. He's bullying Nate Reavers, and he's bullying Micah Potter. And that's supposed to be the strength of Wisconsin basketball. Big boys that can clean up the glass, and our big boys are nowhere to be found. They seem to, they seem to be content hanging out at the three-point arc, firing a couple threes, and calling it a day. Now, I think that the issues with this team can be corrected, 
by a couple good old-fashioned Wisconsin basketball practices where Greg Gard is screaming at you and you're going to defend and we're not going to touch the basketball. We're going to just simply defend. It's like the old hockey coach trick. When you, when you show up to hockey practice and you don't see the puck bag, the bag of all the pucks, you know you're in some deep shit. The Badgers need a no-ball practice. We're not going to touch a ball. We're going to bend our damn knees on defense for two hours straight, and we're going to get after it, and we're going to play defense, and we're going to work on boxing out, and we're going to work on some fundamentals. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, update from Walmart. Uh, he's going to ch- – the online <laughs> – Boy, the online Walmart is only letting us buy three cases. So we're traveling with 38 guys, three cases of water. I don't know. One bottle of water. It can last me four days. It's a four-day trip. Let me text the boss man back. Uh, Okay, I called and tried every department, which I did. I tried the electronics department, and the electronics department uh, did not answer either. Okay, back to business, back to cheese curds, back to beer bellies. Badgers, I'm never wrong, so I'm not going to say that they're broken. Okay, I've never been wrong in this show ever. You can fact check it. You can listen back to every episode. Never been wrong. So we are going to win the national championship, but some shit needs to change. And it starts with uh, benching Brad Davison, playing more minutes to the young freshman Davis, and lighting a fire of some sort under uh, Nate Reavers and Micah Potter. It can be done. We got Northwestern next. We're going to clean up Northwestern. We're going to get that mojo back. We're going to get that mo back, right hander. We're going to get it going. Uh, and then we're going to finish the season. We're going to play Illinois, and we're going to beat them. We got them at home. We're going to beat Illinois, the number five team in the country. We're going to beat Purdue on the road. And Luke Garza, in our final game of the season, is going to score 40 points again, and we're going to probably lose to Iowa. But we're going to go into the Big Ten tournament feeling decent about ourselves. We're going to get a five seed, and we're going to roll – as long as we beat the 12 seed, we are going to roll through March Madness and win the national championship. So that's where we're at. The Milwaukee Bucks are still broken. Uh, they're going to lose their fifth straight game. Wisconsin is definitely probably maybe broken, but I'm not willing to admit that because I've never been wrong on this show before. So history would indicate that they're still fine. Probably maybe they'll most likely possibly beat Northwestern and then all will be good with the world. Everything will be fine. And pending the fact that we can beat a 12 seed, which is hard to do, we're going to win the national championship. So that's where that's the state of the union. Uh, Green Bay Packers, J.J. Watt, uh, took a private jet, according to some weird, creepy guy that tracks private jets, to Green Bay. Uh, and he's reported to be down to two teams, Pittsburgh, which, of course, his two brothers play for Pittsburgh, or Green Bay. So we're going to hold out hope for J.J. Watt. Boy, that would be awesome. I saw something. All, you know, Reggie White played nine years in the league and then came to Green Bay and people are talking a lot about JJ's age his body his injuries uh this will be JJ Watt's ninth year in the league as well so this is very Reggie White this is kind of eerie to me like everybody said Reggie White is too old he's over the hump Packers why are they signing him uh and he turned out to be an absolute legend in Green Bay and I think JJ Watt what are the chances he gets injured 12 years in a row I think the chances are fairly minimal And I think J.J. Watt is due for a healthy season or two. Let's sign him for two years. But him across from Zadarius Smith and you throw Rashad Gary in the mix, that is a dangerous pass rush. And it's a huge upgrade over Preston Smith, who for whatever reason hasn't been cut yet. We've got all all these money issues, and we still haven't cut Preston Smith. 
Um, but that's that's the news in Green Bay where we're going to probably, hopefully, maybe sign J.J. Watt. We got a new D coordinator. Everybody hates the move, of course, because that's what we do in Green Bay. We hate the defensive coordinator. Whoever's defensive coordinator while Aaron Rodgers is in town, we hate him. Um, but I kind of like the guy, honestly. I've listened to just his hype videos, and he totally fits the culture that Matt LaFleur is trying to build in Green Bay. And you can talk about how average his defenses have been, and they've been very average at best defenses. But listening to some of the clips of him getting, you know, getting after guys in practice and bringing some youth, some excitement, some energy to the staff, I think will be a good change of pace, actually. And I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna vibe really well with this core of young defenders that we have: Jair, Rashawn Gary, uh, you name it. I think he's gonna fit really well with the culture, at least. And I think uh, I'm get, maybe I'm being hopeful because he hasn't had a great track record. But I think he fits the culture that Matt LaFleur is trying to build, the culture of energy, enthusiasm, excitement. And we've had some really old guys, Dom Capers, uh, you know, sitting up looking like he's falling asleep every game while, while the Atlanta Falcons are torching us in the NFC title game. Uh, I'll never forget that, man. They showed him in that NFC title game. Atlanta's, just, you know, we've got what – we've got uh, – who's the guy that tried to guard Julio Jones? We had our – we had an undrafted free agent trying to guard Julio Jones and they would keep showing, they kept showing Dom Capers in the booth and the guy was like fast asleep. Like his eyes were closed and he never made one adjustment. And we lost that game, gave up 50 points. Julio had 300 yards. Um, but I think that this will be a nice change of pace for Mike Patton. I think this is going to be a, a renewed defense with renewed energy, enthusiasm and excitement. And I think the defense could be better. I'm optimistic about that hire. And Aaron Rodgers is engaged. So that's just a big middle finger to Danica Patrick, who screwed the city of Green Bay and the state of Wisconsin out of at least four to five Super Bowl titles during the time that she dated Aaron. I don't know how long they dated, but it feels like Danica was the reason that we couldn't get over the hump for all those years because she was just corrupting and ruining Aaron Rodgers. And uh, it's her fault. So whoever this new girl is, and she's not very cute, by the way. She's, she's borderline ugly, especially for a guy – who's as attractive as Aaron Rodgers, but we don't care because he's in love. He's got a new love for life, as he says. And his new love for life has translated into an MVP season and a, a hell of a lot of success. So we like this new girl. We like new girl a lot. She's not cute, but we like her. And he's engaged and he's happy. And if Aaron's happy, we're all happy. Okay, uh, very special guest. As promised, the former Wisconsin football player is about to join the show. And uh, a little content warning. I asked him a lot of questions about Paul Christ. And apparently, Paul Christ has a little potty mouth on him. So this, uh, the interview is a little bit X-rated. Um, not X-rated, uh, R-rated. Uh, because apparently, Paul Christ likes to drop the mother... <clears throat> he likes to drop the, the mother trucker uh, when the Badgers aren't playing well. So uh, our, our guest is about to join us. And if you've got young kids in the car... Just turn the volume down a little bit because you don't want to miss this interview. It's a good one. And he promised that we can get Jack Cohn, among other people, on the show. So he's good. He's tight with Jack Cohn, the new quarterback at Notre Dame. He transferred because Graham Mertz is the man. Uh, so we think we can get him on the show. We're going to get him on the show. We're going to get Jack Cohn on the show at some point in the next month. But uh, here's the interview. I hope you enjoy. And I hope you enjoy some really cool, unfiltered stories about Badger football and about Paul Christ. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome the promised 
former Wisconsin Badger. It is the former Heisman Trophy winner, Ron Dane. No, I'm just, kidding. just kidding. It's Sam Delaney. Sam uh, played in the 2017 season and decided to transfer over to UW-Whitewater, where he is currently dominating things with the Warhawks. So, Sam Delaney, welcome to the show. I, my opening question to you, give me, you played for Paul Christ. Give me your most savage Paul Christ story. Well, first, I mean, I got to say, I appreciate having me on, man. Hell it's yeah. It's a pleasure, welcome. man. Welcome. This is on the bucket list, so we can finally cross it off. Love it. No, but I, yeah, I had a feeling you'd ask that. Uh, all right, I got one. So, first game of the season. So, I mean, I'm a freshman, right? And I get in there, like, I walk into the program at 157 pounds, soaking wet. Like, lightest kid in the program. Like, I'm the kind of guy um, walking on campus and, like, oh, you play football? And I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, are you the kicker? You know what I'm saying? So, it's like one of those type deals. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I was super pumped. It was our first game. And if you got to, like, just to get to, like, give the audience a little bit of like who Paul Christ is as a coach and behind the scenes. Like he's a very mild mannered, very steady tempered man. You know, he says temperament's really like really calm. So like, you don't really hear him raising his voice all too much. Um, and even when he's coaching you up, it's like very soft. And it's like, it's like kind of like, honestly, like you're talking like your little league coach. Like I'm serious. Like the guy super calm, super collected. But we're playing Utah state. You know, I'm super excited because it's like the first time I get to be on Camp Randall and I'm all hyped up. And like, we got a pretty damn good team. And that was the year we did win the Orange Bowl. So like, you know, we're all super excited about, you know, what the year could be. And, but you never really know, I guess, going into the first game. Well, at halftime, let's see, we're down 10-7, right? So like we get in the locker room and like, the captains are kind of cussing people out, like, you know, motherfucking you from like eight different ways. Huh. I'm like kind of sitting there wide eyed, you know, I'm just having my hand, my hands under my ass, dude, just kind of watching all this shit go down. <clears throat> and it's probably like five minutes into halftime. Everything's kind of settled down. Like everybody's just kind of like, you know, getting in their, getting in their zone or whatever. And to up until that point, like I still haven't heard, you know, coach Chris yell. Aside from like, you know, if he's just yelling at someone for touching the quarterback, you know, he might raise his voice or whatever. But this dude comes in like, I'm trying to think of a good movie reference. Like, dude, like you just drove a fucking Mack truck through a wall and just starts motherfucking everybody, dude. <laughs> he's like, you sons of bitches, you. Oh, actually, I don't know if I, I can cuss, right? Yeah, you can cuss. You're good. Okay. Paul Chris cuss. You can Yeah, cuss. well, he's just doing his thing. Motherfucking everybody saying this, 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 and that. But the thing is, is like, right, he, you would never know until he's on your ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like one of those guys, when he does yell, dude, he has everybody's full attention. Uh, but the thing it is hilarious, he's a big dipper. So when he is cussing you out, dude, it's just dip spit everywhere. Love it. So Paul, well, he's, Paul Chris is addicted to nicotine is the moral of the story. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> he's so what got me into dipping, man. Yeah, if Uncle Paul's doing it, then it can be safe for everybody. Yeah, then so anybody you went out to win that game. That's the one you can't – you won like 59 to 10, right? Yeah, we came out in the second half and just rolled. So anytime the Badgers are losing a football game, Paul Chris throws a rally chaw in, starts spitting in your faces, and the game turns. Is that what yeah. you're telling me? Yes. Yeah. And what I'm saying is if you – if we're down at half – and I was in the locker room. I could send you a text, money line, whatever you need. If Paul <laughs> Chris has the chaw going. He's cussing you out in the chaw at halftime. Badgers by a million. I'm telling love you. It. I love it. I love it. 
So I'm looking at the schedule that season. You beat uh, in the bowl game. Who'd you play? Miami. That was a turnover chain year. So turnover chain my fucking ass, right? Turnover so, chain, yes. So first of all, did he – I'm sure he said that. I mean, we have it on camera. He said that. Oh, yeah. Confirmed, right? Confirmed, confirmed. Okay, so since he said that, and that was like legendary because to the average fan, we don't know – we don't think Paul Christ, Paul Christ even knows what the F word is because, like you said, he's so mild-mannered. Yeah. But when we see him say that, that just – excites the fan base like you wouldn't believe it's like seeing your sweet uncle at the family thanksgiving had one too many beers and starts you know letting it rip a little bit so how legendary was that within the program like did that was that something that you guys fed off of like hey this old man has a little bit of swag to him or is that did you never really talk about it after that day oh i mean i think well one thing that he does really well in particular he's he's like he's a very good players coach so he mean like the relationship that he has with each individual on the team. And it really doesn't matter, you know, whether it is a guy like Graham Mertz, JT, you know, or some walk-on like I was. Um, he's kind of like cerebral to everyone. Um, but it's like, it's kind of the thing, you know, if you have that one parent, you know, the one, let's say it's your dad, you know, he doesn't raise his voice all too much. And then when he does, it kind of gets you fired up or you're listening. It's the same way with him. You know I mean? Because even when, you know, he's not all into the hype, you know I mean? He's not a big guy there. It's like, Oh, we're going to kick this team's fucking ass. We're going to do this, this, and that. You know, he's really big on, you know, making sure that you're focused on what you need to do, you know, as a player um, and as a unit moving forward and in, in, in moving into the game. So when you do get that kind of reaction out of him, you know, it's authentic. You know, it's it's nothing yeah. like – it's not like a P.J. Fleck type thing where it's all like, yeah. you know, here's my brand. Let me shove it down your throat. Right. Um, with him, he's super, well, super – Was P.J. there when you were there? Was he in Minnesota? Oh, yeah, he was. Yes. Yeah. So how much hatred within the program is there towards PJ Fleck? Because I know that one year, the Badgers, PJ got the best of the Badgers. The next year, the, the team came back and it looked like they wanted PJ's head on a stick. So yeah. you never talk. I mean, the guy's a total clown. He's running around the sideline like he's the damn cheerleader. Does yeah. that rub you guys the wrong? I mean, I know the I know you guys handle your own business and all that, but something about that guy, he's a total clown. And is that something that you guys picked up on or, or talked about it all or, or what's up with what's up with pj fleck is there beef yeah. with the badgers and pj fleck yeah well i mean he certainly fires you up i mean just by the way that he carries himself compared um you know to the way i think wisconsin overall kind of carries himself but like i think the hatred is more directed at minnesota as a whole i mean we have i mean probably like hundreds and hundreds of tvs in the facility and during minnesota week it's just reruns of old minnesota games Minnesota Wisconsin games and that's like the only thing we're thinking about so like that week is way different the energy in the room in the locker room and in the meeting rooms like everybody's super focused locked in but having him on the other side of the ball PJ definitely has like that's all it definitely that's fires you up a little bit you know and I can imagine for the guys who play in that game they would hate to lose that dude so yeah for sure there's not much love there so talk to me a little bit about the other rivalries so they have these other rivalry games I know <laughs> Iowa was one of them is there anything that comes even close to the rivalry that, that came with the, the Minnesota game for the Axe? Um, let's see. Well, I think every Big Ten game, you know, has its importance. I think, like, what, what Chris, Coach Chris did a really good job of was kind of breaking each week into, like, its own season. So you're focused on whoever you're playing. But, I, I mean, what is it? Isn't it the longest rivalry in – 
in yeah. college football or like maybe in all of sports. So, I mean, there's nothing that compares to it. I mean, like you have the Iowa game and you have Nebraska that they have got a trophy for that too. So um, the trophies are basically bullshit is what you're telling me. I mean, they're certainly not bullshit, but I mean, I don't think you can put them on the same. Okay. No, so it's not quite the ass. Give me as unfiltered of an answer as you'd like. So we, we see the axe every year being, you know, chopped on the field. And as, as a former Division three athlete that once won a conference championship, I know the turmoil that the trophy can go through when you win the trophy. Once you get, off, once you get behind the cameras, once nobody's looking, that trophy goes through some hell. So can you tell me anything savage that has happened to that axe after you guys won it? I mean, I can imagine, you know, everybody's showering and yeah. does the axe make its way into the shower? I guess that's my biggest question. I see. I don't, I don't know if the axe makes its way into the shower, but it definitely makes its way into, uh, into some dude's hands after they, they like to be kind of intimate with the, with the axe. I think I can say that. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I'm, does the axe, does the axe get to enjoy an alcoholic beverage after the game? I'm not sure, but it should. It should. Fuck yeah. It should. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Whitewater. So you um, transferred there and you had an immediate impact, and that's a powerhouse Division Three program. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the culture of Whitewater compared to Madison, and because there's got to be something that Whitewater is doing that's different than the rest um, of the competition at that level. So are there any similarities? I mean, they're two really dominant programs. <laughs> I guess give me kind of the similarities or maybe differences between just the culture of each program. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, going back to like when I was originally going on visits, you know, I went, I visited um, North Dakota State, Kent State, um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, a few other schools. But the one thing that stuck to me at Wisconsin was it's, it's, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. They're very familiar, you know, and the whole coaching staff in the program there seems like a family. And you can tell that what they're saying is really authentic because just how the coaches interact with each other. Uh, so compared to any other school, it's like, it's pretty standard. I think for a visit, they kind of want to get you in and out of there and they kind of have, you know, the guys they want, you know, the guys that they have highlighted and they spend most time on them and they only kind of sits yeah. down that way. But at Wisconsin, what I noticed right away is like the coaching man, everything there is just a family. Um, you know, it's not like we get, you know, Alabama level recruits all the time. And I know that's changing a little bit, you know, with the way um, that Chris and, and what they're doing over there in recruiting has improved. But, you know, what makes us, I think, so much different is that we're working or we're willing to put in the work um, that isn't mandatory, you know, and that's almost expected at Wisconsin. And I think that um, how we interact um, together as a family and when I was there um, kind of breeds that sort of that sort of culture of, you know, it doesn't, I don't give a shit about how many stars you have over your head, you know, right. or, you know, what rank was next to your name in high school, you know, here we just play ball. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the five star from South Florida or, you know, the PWO from Delafield, Wisconsin. Um, when you get there, you're a family and, but you're also expected to do your shit, man. You know, it's not like, I think a lot of people have this idealized version of, of, of what being a, an athlete is, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you get this, you know, you get these clothes and, you know, you get, you get, you know, tutors and all this shit. And it's like, you know, that's small compensation for the price that you have to pay, um, sure. you know, for all the workouts and all that going there. 
Um, but they did a great job of motivating you too, you know, and, and the culture there is, is, is sort of like, you know, what's it on the wall? So the, so the wolf pack sort of mentality. Yeah. Know? So would you say Wisconsin has a, a great tradition for like walk-ons coming out of nowhere and, and being important players for the team. And you don't see that everywhere. So do you think, you know, as a preferred walk-on yourself, would you say that they um, treated you in a way where they, and all the walk-ons in a way where, you know, they accept you and expect you to, to kind of commit to the same excellence. I mean, I, I don't, I think that's something you probably don't see everywhere. Cause there's not what, you know, every year there's two, three walk-ons that end up starting for the Badgers. Like that is a culture. And, and I don't think that's something that happens across the country. So, yeah. you know, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly, I mean, you don't, as a walk-on, like every rep for you is critical. So, you know, if, I mean, I think I have to think of it like put it in, the way, in this way as like an investment, you know, um, if you got 40K, you know, in Bitcoin, but then you got, you know, $500 in like GameStop, right? You know, what stock are you going to put a little more effort into and, sure. and, and you know what you're, what you're looking after. So compared to the scholarship guys, when you initially get there, man, it's every rep you get, you have to earn. But they, they call it the walk-on culture there is like, they demand the same thing out of you as anybody else on the team. Um, so it's not like if you make a mistake, there's no like, you know, hey, man, it's you're fine. Like, you, you'll get there, you know. <laughs> I mean, your ass is grass too, you know what I'm saying? So it's like one right. of those type deals where yeah. um, you're expected to be there and do everything that um, all that, like the scholarship player guys, the first year, second year, third year, fourth year guys are all doing. Um, but I would say this is that I think with the way – walk-ons have succeeded at Wisconsin um, traditionally that they do afford walk-ons the opportunity to prove themselves so it's not it's not like you're just a practice dummy like when you make a play they'll send you right back out there and be like all right do it again do it again you know That's so they they definitely put a lot of trust and faith in and I think the walk-ons and in, in Wisconsin in particular but like kind of like a walk-on's like un uncanny ability just to figure it out, you know, yeah. and, and, and commit to the program. But at the end of the day, I mean, there are a hell of a lot more walk-ons that you never hear about than the ones you do. So for sure, the ones who, who, who've risen above kind of like that title and, and earned their scholarship and, and started and, and, you know, we're all big 10 and all this, this and that um, have definitely gone the extra mile. And they typically seem like the kind of guys who are, you know, the ones who are always putting in the extra work. So, so who, so you said you're 157 pounds and I'm looking at you right now. You look like you may have put a, a little bit of weight on, but so who, who's the one guy that absolutely bruised you the worst at those badger practices? Cause I would imagine you were repping against the number one defense almost oh, every week. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you, okay, this is funny. So we're, this is like, I mean, we're in camp, you know? So, I mean, I'm like the little white kid, you know, <laughs> with my wide eyed, you know what I mean? Just, doing my thing and then I had to earn basically like we got there and it's like what a preferred walk-in is, is like a preface story is basically like you're essentially a scholarship player without the money right so you're part of the 105 you get paid to go to camp you get all the meals and that if you're just a walk-on you can't join the team until the season starts or whatever so like everybody's kind of looking at me like who the hell like why the hell they let this guy on the 105 like why is this guy at camp or whatever well, we're doing a linebacker one-on-one -on -one tackling drill like kind of like sort of like the nutcracker you know you're growing up yeah, but it's really like you have like a five by five yard box. You start on one side of the cone and then either they tackle you or you make a miss. 
And the first dude I lined up against was Chris Orr. All right. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to shake his ass. So I put a nice little move on him and like get him pretty good. You know, and he's getting a lot of shit from his buddies, you know, because it is kind of like, you know, walk on, kind of undress him a little bit. But he's like, hey, you bitch me out. You bitch, get your bitch ass back, you motherfucker, and all this shit. <laughs> so he's like, gets me out. I go right back to the drill. Run it back again. Dude, like, imagine an all Big Ten linebacker putting everything he can into a tackle against a 157-pound slot receiver. <laughs> and then afterward, dude, just putting his helmet under your chin strap and just gnawing that shit off your head. My helmet went flying, dude. <laughs> I got cranked. But either him or Dakota always put some ridiculous hits on me. Like just, I'm not looking, running a slant. I get my ass clocked. I mean, like they don't, they don't. When you're on the scout team, man, keep your head up. Hell yeah! Who's the coolest player you got to to represent on as a you know? to replicate on the scout team? Were you ever like somebody really cool? Like, did they ever say, hey, you're Johnny Manziel this week or something like that? Because you're like a pretty special player. I mean, you're short and fast. So I can imagine these teams have some, you know, I'm, I'd imagine as a scout player, you played some pretty cool roles. Is there anything, any cool stories there? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of who was the quarterback. Was JT Barrett the quarterback? No, Still? Shit. You, you were repping as JT Barrett. So when, well, when we would beat Ohio State, it's all your fault. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, if we have like if we had a, there was a running quarterback, I get to run the option all the time. I mean, okay. dude, that's a blast. Uh, but dude, the most fun was when we played Utah State. They had this little adjuster, and this dude was like a running back, slot receiver, lined up on the outside. That was super fun. But the most fun definitely is being a quarterback. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of who are the quarterbacks you play that were kind of dual threat guys. But whenever, whenever there was like a dual threat dude, they always like wanted me to run around and scramble and shit. So that was okay, so Badger fans, you're listening to the show. You now know why we cannot beat Ohio State. It's because they just take uh, the littlest guy we got, Sam Delaney, and they ask him to be J- JT Barrett for the week. So I'm putting, <laughs> that, I'm putting that loss completely on you, Sam. Is that all right? Yeah, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. <laughs> all right, I love it. So you guys, um, let's jump. Let's fast forward a little bit to Whitewater. You guys lost in the national championship game your first year there. Mm-hmm. How was that? Heartbreaking, I would imagine. But I guess the overall experience, I mean, flying out to um, the East Coast for the championship game, talk, just the, the, the whole experience, how was it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's something that you work for all season. Um, personally, I'm just really grateful to have that experience. Um, you know, not a lot of athletes get to say they get to, you know, compete for a national title, um, you know, regardless of any sport, whether it's D1, D2, D3. Um but honestly, it was a blast, man, like being able to fly out there uh, and kind of have everything paid for. Because as you know, I mean, at the Division three level, I mean, when we get to camp, you know, it's not like at Wisconsin where you get sweatshirts, new shoes, all this arm sleeves, whatever you want. Yeah. You know, you get we, we get a pair of shorts and a gliding T-shirt, you know. Love it. Um, so, I mean, being there and, and having that whole experience, a whole week in Texas um, was pretty surreal. And being in front of the cameras and and having ESPN kind of being there was was super fun. Um, but honestly, being on the field, it's a totally different thing, man. I, I can't, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the one game you grew up as a kid, you know, you're like, I want to play for this, you know, I want to win a national championship, want to do this. So having the opportunity to, you know, be in that game was something, you know, that I'm going to, you know, remember for quite some time. Is that, so is that pretty much the expectation at that place? Cause uh, listen, the WEAC is no joke. The WEAC, 
I'll go to my grave saying they can beat a lot of Division One schools in that football conference yeah. that plan. But the Whitewater has risen above of the rest of the class. And Oshkosh gives you a run for the money here and there. But do you talk about the national championship day one of camp? Or is that is that kind of the expectation? Or is it, um, you know, kind of not overlooking your conference come first? Yeah. Well, yeah. So the way our head man does it, and he's pretty similar to the way that kind of Chris carries himself, but he is all focused on like our main goal in the beginning of the season is to win the WEAC. You know, so we try to, of course, you always have the national championship in the back of your mind, but it's not really the primary focus um, of what we're doing in the season. Um, I think this year it's a little different because everybody has that expectation, you know, like we kind of got, I'm not saying we kind of got, we know we got embarrassed on live television, you know, in the national championship game. So I think all of us right now are pretty focused on that as our main goal. And, um, but then again, I mean, you know, we have, we have a, we play an incredibly tough conference conference too. So um, it's one of those things where you can't really overlook any game because any team can really um, come up there and beat you. Like we had a few close games last year against lacrosse. Um, we lost to Oshkosh last year uh, and even Stout. And there are a lot of teams that played us really close. Um, so it's one of those things where you really got to keep your focus, um, you know, in the game in front of you, because if you kind of look too far down the road, there's a lot of teams, um, in that conference that can, that can steal one from you and kind of ruin your plan. So for sure. All right. So let's go back to Madison. We're going to get it. We're going to get away from football a little bit. Uh, talk to me about, give me a story about a guy that guys will probably know, like somebody that every Badger fan should know that was just like a total like goofball. Like who's the weirdest guy that you played with at Madison? Like the most out there, you know, just did weird shit. Um, Cause on every team, you got a couple of those guys and I would imagine some of them are good players. So you got yeah. anything there for me? The weirdest guy, the most out there guy. Honestly, you know, somebody, not a lot of people are going to know this name, but they should have known this name is David Foff. So he played defensive line. He's from Homestead. He was a Wisconsin boy. But, dude, I mean, he was just goofy. I mean, showing up to practice in, like, jean jackets and shit. You know, <laughs> like, the stuff you'd see on NFL Network, you know, when the guys are all showing up to camp and goofy stuff. Yeah. Like, always had a weird, like, a mullet, haircut, super eccentric dude. Like, always laughing, always talking. Okay. So, He's a character. Okay. I like it. So, uh, talk to me about – so, one of a, a, a reoccurring guest on the show at one point said that Alex Hornibrook – was going to be a top three-round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. So catching balls from Hornybrook, it's probably your buddy. I don't want you to bash Hornybrook. But talk to me about the quarterback situation when you were there. You had Hornybrook, you had Cohn. Um, you know, first of all, Jack Cohn, did you know he was going to – he had a pretty good year when he turned out to be the starter. So did you know he was a young guy when you were there? Did you know that Jack Cohn was going to be a dude at some point? Yeah. Um, let's see which one. Okay. I'll start with Jack. Yeah, I mean, Jack and I came into the same class. So we were the same recruiting class together. And he was one of the guys I was closest to, honestly, um, while could I was at Wisconsin. Show, would Jack Cohn come on cheese curds and beer bellies? I think he. I think you could get Jack Cohn on cheese. There's a lot of guys, I'm telling you, who would come on this show Fuck that you, we could get on the show. Going. Okay, what know, and then you. I've been DMing, like, every Wisconsin Badger basketball girl because, I, you know, I figured I'd start with the girls' team because they're not yeah. really good. And they're just, like – standing me up i don't know if they think you know they're too hot or something i don't know i'm but, telling you so i've told you that we we'll get to that later about the madison women man 
<laughs> Madison women. I'm telling you. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, look, dude, I mean, all those guys have talent. Like, you know, like compared to, you know, what I had seen out of quarterbacks, and I felt like I played with some good ones through high school and seen some. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, this way he throws the ball, the dude's got a hose. I mean, he's he's a good guy too. He's a great leader. Like you knew what wherever he goes, and now he's I know he's transferring to Notre Dame now, you know, he's gonna succeed. Um, but with Hornerbrook, you see, I'm I'm a big Hornerbrook fan. Like he's one of those guys that took me under his wing. Um, when he was transferring and I was transferring, we were throwing together, um, you know, at the fields and all this stuff. So, you know, he's a really good guy and he's a really good leader too. Um, so I know that there are some things that he struggled with too. A lot of the Hornybrook hate, and I have said this as well, it's a little bit unwarranted. I mean, the, the guy's not yeah. a show out there. So is, is that something you'd agree with? Oh, 100%. And like what, what would frustrate me a little bit is like, there's a hell of a lot more that goes into some of these, you know, plays and concepts than what people see on TV. Right. right. So, you know, there, I remember, you know, there are a few particular plays come to mind where, you know, he threw an interception that he knows he shouldn't have thrown, but if the receiver is where he's supposed to be or made or on his option route, made the right decision. I mean, that ball's right there and that ball, you know, I could go for six points. So, right. You know, I, what, 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 what always upset me a lot is that the guy could do no right, no matter what, you know I mean? He, yeah. It's like, when you look at his stats too, I mean, they, they weren't anything that was like particularly bad about him. I mean, he was a solid quarterback. Yeah. I mean, to say a guy who led you or who led us to an orange bowl win effectively, like you don't get there with a slouch, you know? Right. I don't care what anybody says. Like, I don't care how, I don't give a damn how good our running game is. Right. You know? We got to have the play that whoever's the signal caller back there has got to be a damn good player. And he was a damn good player. Right. And the classic Hornybrook line is like 20 for 23 for like 200 yards and like maybe a touchdown. But yeah, yeah he, he like he like you said, he led us to an orange bowl. He won a lot of games in, in red and white. Um, and I think it was a little bit sad, you know, to see the way he went out. And then he went to Florida State and, you know, fizzled out at Florida State. So I think it was just a little, I guess, kind of a sad story to see. I guess him leaving and then the way things turned out Florida state, by the way, is a mess. So that, that you can't put yeah. that on Hornybrook, that program, that program's in the shitter. Yeah. Um, was there pressure on him? Like, you know, obviously Graham Mertz is coming in and all that. Did he feel like kind of pressured to get out of there or anything? Um, you know, I've had a few conversations about that with him and I mean, he's such a mellow, like go with the flow kind of guy that, um, you know, I'm sure that some of it bothered him a little bit, but, you know, he had the mental capacity to kind of just shove it to the wayside. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I, I can only imagine, he probably, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine that, like, how much pressure he felt from game to game. Right. And I think a lot of times as fans, and Wisconsin fans especially, I mean, we love our teams to the point where people will say rational things on Twitter all the time. And, and you guys are, you're 18 to 22 year old kids. So you're on, you're, you're going to see these things eventually. It's not like you can completely block yourself out from that. So like, I always admire, you know, there are certain guys that completely get, you know, torn apart on Twitter. Like, so is that's, I'm sure you're aware of it a little bit, but how much like, do you talk about the stuff, like just the outlandish stuff you see on social media? Is that stuff that you ever talk about maybe jokingly, like, this guy said this, or you kind of just try and ignore it as best you can. Well, so it's interesting. So, I mean, usually that talk doesn't really make its way into the locker room um, simply because like you're just so hyper-focused on 
you know, what you have coming the next week. Um, but in like the, the dining halls, you know, where we would eat at, uh, they would have like sports center and all this stuff playing. So like, I mean, there it's, it's awkward a little bit when they are talking about your team after like a big win or loss. And, you know, you have certain guys that are like, Oh, this guy can't do this. And this is that. Yeah. So it, you, you do hear it and, you know, we'll laugh at it. And when we're eating and we're messing around, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but we usually don't take that stuff too seriously. I mean, I mean, you get that stuff and even like, you know, and there are some division three forums that get a little aggressive. Yeah. You know, it's, about crazy. Some, it's crazy, you know, and like, you know, that stuff makes its way even to whitewater locker room. So, yeah, I mean, we just try to have fun with it. You know, everybody's yeah. always going to, you know, be talking shit about something. So that's the best way to do it. All right. So I got a little challenge for you here. Uh, my mom said that uh, the show needs to branch out branch back to our roots a little bit so we talked basically since we rebranded the show basically locked in on wisconsin sports and my mom said you know what you guys do a great job but you got to talk about something other than you got to have some debates outside of the field a little bit so what i have for you we call this the holy trinity challenge okay and sam is not prepared for this at all so uh it's the holy trinity of drinking games okay so basically how this works, it's like you listen to PMT, it's like Mount Rushmore, except we only do three. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So like Vince Lombardi uh, once said, there's nothing more important than God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, that's kind of our holy trinity. Instead of four, we got three. So <laughs> a little, you got time. Have you collected your thoughts? I'll, I'll let, if you're collected, I'll give you the first pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm collected. Okay. So I know Whitewater is a power drinking school. I know you guys, obviously you know, you've got business to take care of and you, you probably don't get to go out as much as you'd like, but I've made a few trips to Whitewater and I know what that town can do. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be judging your selections here. All right. I'll let you start it off. So Holy Trinity of drinking games, Sam Delaney started off. Beer die. First. Okay. Beer die. So lay it on me. How do you play? I'm old, man. I'm old. You got, you know how to play beer die. Okay. Well, just get, explain a little bit. So I'd it's probably, like we we'll probably call it something different. Right. So you got you got like a team. You got teams of two, right? Okay. And you got it's like a big, it's like a big, like like a ping pong table, you know, like that size table. Yeah. And you line up. You got your beer, a beer on each corner. So right, you got your beer on your side of the table at your corner. Your teammates got the same his beer on his side of the corner, and then the other teams got their beers and the same thing, whatever. And you just got a dice, right? You got a, like a die. And basically, there's a line in the middle of the table, and you got to like ch- chuck that thing. Like, just chuck the, the dice in the air. And then it's got to like hit the table. And if it falls off without them catching it, the other team, like, it's got to hit the table, bounce off. Okay. If it hits the ground, you get like a point. And, but if they like, you know, kick it off their shoes and catch it, they can get a point. But okay. then if you hit, like, if you get it in the beer, it's two points. And you just, like, kind of, like, play for points. So I would imagine this is exactly how COVID started. This must you – know, I've honestly – I've been a lot of places, never actually played beer die. Um, but I'm going to pin this whole pandemic on the city of Whitewater and that university for it, – it sounds like you're just all touching the same dice and then eating it and then drinking it. Is that basically oh, – yeah. that's the moral well, of the game? Well, we say it doesn't exist here, man. The bars are shoulder to shoulder. If you go it to doesn't. Whitewater, you're immune. You know, do you ever do you see what we were like? I think we might have been the the most Collagen. we had the most COVID cases like per capita in the world. Yeah, like in, in something like that. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, that thing ran through Whitewater, dude. Okay. And like I work at a bar too. So Love it's it. like, dude, I mean, of course I got it. 
Yeah. But like, well, you're immune now, right? You're good. It was crazy because one week, right? It was like packed shoulder to shoulder. The next week, when everybody got it, dude, desert. <laughs> it was like a desert for two weeks. And then it just went right back to where it was. Love it. It was crazy. Okay. So he started off with Bard Eye. I'm going to go uh, Beard Eye. Sorry. I'm going to go with uh, Beard Darts, a little variation. Uh, oh, you ever yeah. play Beard Darts? I do. Yeah. You ever been injured playing Beard Darts? I've gotten a few in the ankles. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So, uh, I mean, this. When I went to Mississippi, I learned that beer darts is pretty much a Midwest thing. So, and that that's it's probably a Wisconsin thing. Let's be honest. I mean, who yeah. in any other state would people just like who thought of that game? Like, hey, let's just throw darts at each other until somebody's really drunk or until somebody starts bleeding out of their ankle. That's pretty much yeah. the game. And well, it's a brilliant game. Yeah, brilliant. And here's <laughs> the thing about beer darts is like you're really not a man unless you wear one in the ankle. So like guys are borderline trying to take a dart in the ankle that would not yeah. happen in any other state in america like that is why i love wisconsin i mean our state you know if it means getting a beer down our faces we will yeah. win a million darts in the ankle and i love Hell yeah well it's like wait you get do you need a better excuse to drink you got darts beer yeah. sitting around chairs with that's all you need people if, that's if all you need it gets above 25 in the sun like peaks out a little bit everybody in the whole state is like hey let's go sit outside it's good <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay so we got beer dye we got beer darts uh, i'll throw it back to you for your second selection i'd say beers be number two man love beers be beers be is a great game it takes some athleticism that's the only thing it I does about it. it does it's it's so fun man well it gets super competitive too like you got to be you got to be on your game like and you can't have any liabilities out there like if you you can't catch a frisbee man you're useless yeah you gotta be you gotta be locked in when you're playing is like after about three or four beers, and I'm getting older, so it's getting less and less, but I can't get my Frisbee to fly flat. And then that's really embarrassing because then you're getting blasted by your teammates. I've never played a game where there's more, like, turmoil between teammates than beers be. Because if you can't oh, yeah. get that thing on a dime, you're going to hear about it. And if you drop – like you said, you drop the fucker, you're hearing about it. It's it's intense. No, it is, dude. And you got to be you got to be locked in. you got to be focused. So it's not, a, it's not a game you can just sit back and hang out. No, you got, your head's got to be in the game. Have you ever fought a teammate over a game of Beersby? Probably gotten pretty damn close. Dude. I'm not sure if I've ever thrown the face, but <laughs> fighting words for sure. Fighting okay. words for sure. I love it. All right. Um, let's see here. What are we missing? Okay. I, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. As I get older, I like kind of games where you sit down. So I'm going to go with the good old game of Irish poker. Um, oh damn, that's <laughs> last one. Yeah, hey, there, that's that's fine. You know, it's just so classic. You know, you can basically sit down, and you can drink, and you can. It's it's mindless. You know, you got black yeah. or red, you've got high or lower, in between outside. And what do you do? You have a suit you go to when you have to guess the suit. You have one you pick every time. See, I'm, I it depends. I'm when I'm a red always. Either the hearts or diamonds. Okay, but dude, you're a badger. Oh yeah, yeah, got to. But I'm telling you, with, with Irish poker, I was going to say this, there is nothing more electric than when someone's riding the bus and they go four for four on their guesses, dude. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, the whole like, red or black. It's like black, <laughs> like whatever, <clears throat> high or low, low, in between or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can get a whole room of people screaming about somebody that goes clean sweep on, on riding the bus. Dude, that's the first time I ever rode the bus, clean sweep. Okay. Clean so in Whitewater, you know – the rules are different everywhere. In Whitewater, if you don't get through it on the first deck, 
do you make them ride that fucker again or do you give them, leave them off the hook? No, you ride. You ride it however many run. decks it takes, you ride that thing until <laughs> you get off, man. That's how it should be. We should put a, you know, I'm going to call the governor's office and just put that in writing, put it in, in law that you are not allowed to stop riding the bus till you get it. I mean, that, that should be a rule. Well, it's we like the Ten Commandments of drinking games. You got to ride it until you get off it. I love you it. You don't get saved by the last card. That's a bad. That is a true badger right there. Okay, <laughs> we got two apiece. Give me your third one. I say my. Th you see, I like the competitive games. Okay. And what gets me pretty riled up, dude? If you got like eight dudes on a team playing flip cup. Yeah. That's my kind of game. Best of seven series. I think that's on there. I think that is on there. I think that can be a part of the trinity. For sure. Now, I will say this, though, about Flip Cup. If you've got girls playing, and this is – we love women on this show. We really do. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you've got a girl in Flip Cup and she cannot flip the cup, like you said, it's got to be competitive. You've got to have, like – and I'm not saying girls can't play Flip Cup. I play with some girls that can flip that fucker really, like, it's just savages. But if the, if the teams aren't lined up right, Flip Cup, there can be, there can be fights. No, I mean, yeah, you – if the teams aren't balanced, like – well, that's the thing, though. You know what? If, you, if, you're, if you're stuck with a bad team, like, you got to rise above it. Like – You got to get one flip. Every life isn't fair. Flip cup ain't <laughs> fair either. Life isn't like, figure, fair. Figure it out. Okay. I like if that. You got, if you got someone on your team who can't flip the damn cup, teach them. And you got to teach them fast. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Teach the technique. Next man up. The other thing, too, is there a more – okay, so more demoralizing feeling. Uh, losing in the national championship game or being the last man up in flip cup, having like a steady person and a half lead and not closing the deal for your team. It's gotta be pretty close. The look you know, if I had to be honest, if I had to be honest, like, right, you, I might have to go with the flip cup just cause that's all on you. You know, like you yeah. can't, you can't put the blame. It's, you can be like, all right, it's a team. You know, if you're the last, if you got a person and a half lead, yeah, and you're the one messing it up. Like that's all on you. I mean, you have to eat that. For sure, know? I agree completely. I mean, football is a team game, and you all be back next year in flip cup. Yeah, we'll be back in flip cup. There is no, is you're not always promised another game because you know Susie gets a little too drunk. She can't play another round. You know, everybody see it's hard to get everybody locked in for a game of flip mm -hmm. cup. So it if is you get everybody on the same page and you start a game of flip cup. You, it feels like the World Series because that's pretty yep. much it. Somebody's going to wander off with some chick. Yep. <laughs> the bar. That's just the way it goes. So you got basically got one crack at it, and if you blow it, it sucks. Well, um, yeah, and you always got to make sure that your team is a unit, you know? Yeah. Team, you guys got to be functioning as one. Team chemistry is huge. Uh, what am I? So I got one more left over here. What am I missing? Give me a couple of options. Beer pong's out there. Beer pong. Um, boom cup. Oh, boom uh -huh. cup. I'm going to go boom cup for sure. Uh Crazy stories about Boom Cup. I mean, those are the stories that, like, you're going to tell your kids someday. Like, you know, uh, buddy over here put three shots of Spedka yeah. in light, and then went to the fridge and grabbed, like, half a thing of ranch and dumped it in there. Like, the, the stuff that you see in a college house in Boom Cup is incredible. Like, it's not even the alcohol. Like, if somebody pulled a, a poured a solo cup full of alcohol – That'd be no problem for me. I would, I would accept that happily. But, you know, people in college parties, people are throwing chunks of food and, you know, it's just some nasty shit. What's the yeah, I mean, you got eggs in there. Oh, you put eggs in a boom cup. Yeah. I'll say what's what's the weirdest thing you've seen in a boom cup. Dude, we used to put like 
okay, this is old St. Norbert trick, but there was a girl, we sent her to the bathroom with, and she took her panties, soaked her panties in the boom cup, left them in there and made the, whoever had the boom cup drink it with her, I don't know, shit stained panties in there. I've seen ranch in the boom cup. I've seen fucking hot sauce in the boom cup, pickle <laughs> juice. Hey, I wouldn't mind having some panties in my boom cup. Shit, no, hell no. <laughs> Uh, are we missing any honorable mentions? Anything that should be said? I mean, honorable mentions. I mean, do we do we say beer pong? Yeah, we left beer pong out, but I mean, beer. I mean, to me, beer pong is like whoever like is too cool at the party to be like dancing and having a good time. Yeah, you play beer pong. Plays beer pong. So I mean, well, I they're like, it's enjoyable, but it's just I don't think it's holy trinity worthy. You know? Yeah. No, I don't think it is. Oh, let's see. There's like, I don't know. I'm sure Whitewater's got an entire like a. I'm sure your first day. Hockey, 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 hockey solid, hockey solid. I'm sure when you showed up to Whitewater, Madison too, for that matter. I'm sure they gave you a a book about this thick of drinking games. That's that was your freshman orientation here. Figure it out. <laughs> learn how to play. Learn the rules. Well, I mean, you knew me too. I mean, like, dude, I got to Madison. I had no idea what I was doing with drinking or any of that shit. And you're so all- I was thrown in the fire. Did you? You learned through what is it? Throw me in the fire. Yeah, I got thrown in the world. fire. That's how you First learn. Time. But hey, that's the only way you learn, man. You know. <laughs> I love it. No, it's it is. You know, it's God, yeah. football, drinking. That's yeah, about it. best state in the world. Uh, all right, we'll throw, we'll close with this. So I'm sure you're going to share this episode with those that are close to you. So this is a little a Valentine's Day softball for you. So oh, talk God. to me about the women in Madison. And in Whitewater. Now, in my experience, everybody loves to go visit Madison, go party in Madison. But in my experience, like interacting with females at Madison, they almost have this like very elitist, like like they think this shit doesn't stink. Am I wrong about that? And then compare them to the chicks at Whitewater. Because I've met some girls from Whitewater that are super down to earth, go with the flow, like, you know, beautiful girls. So it's Valentine's Day. I hear you got a little lady. I'm setting this up perfectly for you. So don't blow it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, all right? Like, Wisconsin's that, the kind of like the sorority girls, you know? Yeah. Like, they expect you to do this, this, and that, you know? Do all this shit for them, buy them all this stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, the Whitewater girls, man, they're like, fuck it, I'm going to come over, let's just chill, let's drink. Oh, you want to do this? All right, I'll be down. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. going, like, with the flow, you know? Yeah. But I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, though. I'll tell you this, all right? The Whitewater women, okay? What they... I want to be careful with what I say (laughs) with what they may, I'm not saying they do, but what, with what the, the total girl, like what the total attractiveness in whitewater, what it, what it might lack in comparison to Madison, which I don't know if it does, but it might. Sure. With they make up for it in swagger. I'm telling you like, okay. These whitewater girls got swag, man. Like I like it. They know what they're doing. That's what it is. You know, you know, like in Sandlot, when Squint says to what about Wendy Peppercorn? Yeah. And she's like, she knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> that are the Whitewater girls. They know exactly what they're doing. I love Madison that. Madison girls think they do. They think they do. Yeah. And they it don't. sounds like they're too cool to like, just like be friends. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. in Whitewater, it's like everybody's just, you know, everybody's cool with everybody. In Madison, you meet a sorority girl. And if you don't know that she's from Phi Theta, Kappa, Epsilon, Dipsilon, yeah. Never speaking to you again. How do you not yeah. know what sorority I'm in? You know, it's it's 
It's crazy. It is. But I like to hear that. So I guess give a little shout out to your girl then. Yeah, shout out to my girl. She knows who she is. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? You know what it's what it's about. You know me. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna get the bottle of wine. You okay. Know, make sure she feels like the most important person in the world. Yeah. Okay. Just do yeah. my thing. Uh, do her thing. Make her happy. It's uh a little after five o'clock. I promised I'd get you out of here in time for the V Day date. Is there anything? I guess in closing, we got the Packers, we got the Bucks, we got the Brewers. Um, of those three teams, who would you like to see win a championship before you die more than anything? I've been saying this whole life, Brewers. Brewers, 100%. If the Brewers can win a World Series and I couldn't see the Packers or the Bucks or even the Badgers win a national championship, uh, NBA title, any of that, Super Bowl doesn't matter. I would yeah. take it. I just want to see one so bad. Me too. I need, Christian Yelich has got to get us. He's got to get us our first one. Dude, I, n- I never cried as much as in my whole life. I've gone through death. You name it. Yeah. I cried after game seven of the NLCS when we blew it against the Dodgers. That was that was one of the worst nights of my life. And while I was watching that game on Matthew Schilling's couch. Matthew Schilling. Shout out Matthew Schilling. <laughs> Madison Love boy. Love it. But I was watching that game. And what pissed me off, and I, I knew we were going to lose because the dudes who I watch a game with were like, oh, we're going to watch it somewhere else. And I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> We've been watching every game on this couch. You have to stay Matthew there. Schilling's fault. So Matthew Schilling went to – Matthew Schilling, Hunter Lean, the rest of the guys, you know who you are, who went to the bar, who left our spot. You jinxed it. That's on you. And I had to watch a game with, like, four random dudes who I didn't know. And they're <laughs> making jokes about the game. And I'm like, dude, this is my life right here. <laughs> like, this is – at school, my sophomore year, it wasn't even school. I didn't pay attention to school. I paid attention to the Brewers. Hell yeah. Like, like you pay attention when you're in the shower, making sure you got down there clean. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're yeah. making sure you yeah. got your stuff clean. That's That was me with the Brewers every love game. <laughs> I love it. I'm fired up this year. You know, I know Central Champs this year. Hey. We're making a run for it this year. You heard it here first. Sam Delaney predicts Milwaukee Brewers NL Central Champs. And then he says we're making a run. So, I – I'm going to say, does that mean a World Series run? Come on, you got to go out on a limb here. Are we winning the World Series? He's about to drop the mic. We're one player away from winning the World Series. That's what I'm saying. Okay. If we get that one player, I don't know who that player is yet, but we're one away. I love it. All right, well, hey, I really pre- – you got anything in closing for me? Any any crazy stories you want to you want to close with or, or no? Um, Actually, I do want to give you one funny thing, a, better, a little better Paul Chris story. The okay. first, first, um, my first practice there. So it's not an official practice. It's like you kind of just get together, um, run routes or whatever, and the coaches can kind of watch and do whatever. I, uh, I was with, I was running in, and you know, Coach Chris is like shaking everybody's hand, like, "Oh, it's happy to see you back." I shake his hand. Dude forgets my name. He's like <laughs> saying everybody's name. I'm like, Coach. He's like, Hey, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, All right, what's up, bro? So this is how it is. Yeah, but then we had, we were doing seven on seven, and I was lucky. I got a good ball, made a nice little play, and I got up and I was like, "Fucking know who I am now." Shit. Did so, you say that to him? I was like, "Now you know me." <laughs> okay, I love it. Like that, no, but dude, that I was probably that's the best story, dude. With that edge, you always play with that. I love that. That's sick. Yeah, sometimes to our own detriment, but usually it's good, you know. Just yeah. always have the juice. You gotta have the juice, man. <laughs> Any anything else? I mean, you, you seem like you're on a little Paul Chris roll. I mean, 
You know me, I could talk for hours. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? We'll get you, get Jack Cone on. We'll get Cone on, and then we'll get you back on. How about that? All right, we'll do that. I okay. can make that happen for you. Hell yeah. Hey, you heard it here first. We're going to have Jack Cone on the show. He's going to talk all about how good Notre Dame's going to be. They're playing each other next year, aren't they? They are. They yeah. are. That'll be a game. That'll be fun. I think everybody loves Jack Cone. I mean, the guy, I mean, seeing him versus Mertz will be awesome. I mean, we're going to get to see. We're going to get to see what people have been debating on Wisconsin bar stools for the last two years. Yeah, it'll certainly be a game to circle on the calendar. All right, good deal. Well, hey, I really appreciate you hopping on. And uh, I guess we'll for sure get you back in the future. That was good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace, Sam. All right.